It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday september 14th and you're listening to episode 433 once again i'm your host jason uh this time joined by a new special guest uh this week and that is chris glane hey chris how's it going it's going great glad to be here yeah thanks for thanks for coming on the show so uh so full disclosure, we have not met before. We uh, met virtually through uh, through it Carla. Just happened. Just happened. So yeah, <laughs> literally like a couple minutes ago. So um, we met through uh, through Carla uh, mm-hmm. from uh, Weird Giraffe Games, and Carla's been on the show before, and she's a friend of the show. And uh, yeah, so she introduced us, and so we've got you on the show. Always like to have new designers and new voices uh, to talk about stuff that I probably don't know about, frankly. So it's always exciting to hear from uh, from new people. So yeah, all right. Well, hey, how's it going today? Ah, it's going all right. I mean, we're living in a, in a smoky wilderland. I'm I'm in uh, Washington State, so we are the yes, yes. The, the off spill of everything that's going on. Right, um, right. But you know, uh, it's just doubling the reasons that we have to stay inside right now. So we make do. Right. <laughs> right. At least you couldn't go anywhere, anyways, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I I didn't realize that you were in. Uh, in the uh that time zone until you had said right before we started you said i'm going directly from work to this and i thought oh <laughs> yeah what if he's on the west coast i hope that's okay for him right now <laughs> so you're totally far bad. enough north that you're away from it okay yeah that is that is some crazy stuff so minus one for gender reveal parties let's not do that i know that yeah, didn't cause no. all the fires but oh my gosh <laughs> never yeah. understood those to begin with but uh yeah, yeah. yeah. but now yeah, i super yeah. don't understand them yes <laughs> yeah I was reading an article that the the person who invented those, like the influencer who made those popular, mm-hmm. was like, "Y'all need to stop doing those now, okay? <laughs> it's yes. not good." <laughs> Please stop. Please stop. Obviously, there's consequences. Don't, don't do, do it that. anymore. It's not safe. Nobody needs to know uh-huh. that badly. <laughs> so, despite being trapped at home uh, in the wilderness, have you uh, played any games of late? Oh, if only I could say that I've played so many board games. Uh, alas, the, right, right. The, yeah. The, the pandemic has reinvigorated um, uh, exploration into video games. Um, and as, as a, a Seattle right. native, um, normally this last weekend would have been uh, PAX weekend, PAX West. Um, right, yeah. So that would be a time of exploration of just, you know, jumping in and uh, for board games, you know, playing mm-hmm. whatever the publishers have up, uh, video games, you know, checking out whatever indie stuff is there. But, you know, it wasn't really an option this year. So um, me and my right. seven-year-old daughter, we developed a plan. Uh, I, I downloaded a whole bunch of games and we that we'd never played before, uh, video games, and we right, right, and right. played a, a ton of new ones. Also squeezed in a new board game uh, nice. that we hadn't played before. We played um, the Home Alone board game. Uh, I didn't which even know there was a Home Alone board game. I didn't Who either. Who published um, that? Uh, you know, if only I knew, but the box is way over there and I don't want to get up and find That's it. That's fine. Well, I'm um, curious if it was one of the Prospero Hall Funko designs, because yes, that I, sounds up their alley. I, I suspect so. Um, I haven't had that confirmed, but based on where I borrowed the game from and that whole lineage, yes, <laughs> right, seems right, likely. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating because uh, it was recommended to me because one of uh, the designs I'm, I've been working on uh, is uh, derived from Netrunner. Um, it's like a, oh, it's like yeah, a yeah. pared down net runner. Um, and this game is also that, uh, and it's, it's basically the, uh, one player is Kevin McAllister and the other player is the wet bandits and, uh, the wet bandits are trying to get to the loot Fantastic. and, uh, Kevin McAllister is trying to put up traps. Uh, right, right. It's totally net runner. Uh, but you know, super simplified and something I was That's able to awesome. play with my second grader. So, uh, that was fun. Yeah. We Fantastic. were able to squeeze in a board game, which was great. That is. Oh, that is. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I've been playing more video games than board games of late. Um, I'm yeah. doing a good amount of playing uh, prototypes in tabletop simulator simply mm-hmm. because yeah. Um, yeah, we've been showing some publishers some stuff and, uh, and that's been really fun. Uh, and also like we're working with someone right now where we were able to do what I would consider probably like three cons worth of development in like two weeks. Uh, yeah. from with with working with this other design partner and it was like well this is really cool like we're actually like making good progress on this and so that was a lot of fun 
Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of potential in there. Um, so I'm a, 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 a member of the Seattle Tabletop uh, Game Designers, which is a, a group that has been meeting, uh, you know, for three-ish years um, uh-huh. in person until lately. Uh, and it's been a oh, fantastic group. Lots of great stuff has come out of that group. Um, uh, that, let's see, what else? What, what I've played recently that that came through there, well, related to there, Calico um, was uh, developed yeah, a lot yeah. in that group, although that's uh, came from someone uh, else. Um, anyway, that group has had to adapt pretty uh, pretty severely to figure out, you know, how do we not do, how do we not meet in person and do this? Um, and right, so there's right, a right. lot of lot of activity on Tabletop Simulator and on Discord and all that, um, and it's been great to see people find. Uh, sometimes it's it's a way that you can have a voice where you didn't have a voice before, where you're talking about like you can do that. Absolutely, in a loop. yeah. Like totally, like th- this is a way that you can grind on things that you couldn't before. You can bring in people that you couldn't play with uh, directly. So there's a lot that's great to it. Um, also, I miss playing with people. Absolutely. Person. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> we always try to do video chat when we play, just so that it feels like. But then you know, tabletop simulator also has this problem of just being like ridiculously like bad at not consuming your whole system. Like yeah. I have a nice laptop. It's brand new that I got like just before the pan. No, actually during the pandemic and like, and then it just turns out that it's still not enough to make a uh, tabletop simulator, not want to no, crash stuff. So it's incredibly intensive. Like my, my laptop fan just kicks into overdrive whenever I launch it. Yeah. I was, yes. I was able to get it quieter by turning down the settings all the way, but it still is a battery hog in ways that I wouldn't expect. Yeah. It's I good to know. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I want say the, I video uh, chat on another. Like we video chat on our phones smart. while using <laughs> the computer for the other thing. <laughs> that's super smart. Yeah, to put it on the phone that's not overloaded by this. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I should try that. I was thinking I, uh, that I kind of want the the roll twenty equivalent. So roll twenty like has the ability to do video inside their uh, like their their yeah yep yep everything. so you don't have to like juggle multiple experiences and whatnot but frankly given how much tabletop simulator is taken up doing it on the phone seems like the right call uh tabletop simulator i think if you could do that would actually set your computer on fire like just a blaze okay. just you know yeah. um, if it had been that instead of a gender reveal party it was tabletop simulator that was the cause of this i would have been right. like uh-huh yeah that sounds about right yeah that's, that's, yeah that's, i believe it i <laughs> believe it right checks out um yeah so we uh I, I got to play one new board game of late uh, and I, I bought a gosh, I want to say early this year, or late last year, uh, I was in Chicago for the day with my wife and uh, she had had a work meeting to go to and I was wandering on Barnes and Noble and they had a huge clearance section of like legit like board games, like big box board games that were like 50% off. And I was like, well, this is happening. So how many yeah. am I buying? And um, so I ended up buying Hive Mind uh, from Calliope, which I haven't actually played yet because uh, the pandemic. Uh, but then uh, I also ended up buying uh, Dice City by AEG, um, mostly because it's like so it's it's an engine builder, right? But you've got this board with uh, with uh, one, two, three, four, five, six on it, um, it, which is your city, and there's six rows of that. So there's actually 36 spaces on the border. Maybe it's 30. I or I can't remember how many. Uh, if there's five or six, I think there's five. So there's 30 spaces. And then basically you are, uh, rolling the dice Machi Koro style. And like I place it. And then because it landed on this, I earn this thing, but you can do some maneuvering with the dice. Um, and it was, it was fun. Um, we played two player, uh, we messed up and didn't put the timing mechanism in place correctly to end the game. So the game, it overstayed its welcome a tad, um, yeah. which was our fault. Next time, it wouldn't do that. Um, you know, my biggest critique of the game, because it was fun, we enjoyed it, was... I, you've probably heard this before as a designer. The whole idea, like, if your game starts on turn five, yeah. start your game on turn five. And yeah. this game felt a bit like that. Um, but then again, we were also learning. And maybe turn five would feel very quick in this game, like if there were just, you know, two of us playing rapidly. Um, but it did, it, it felt like a little bit of a slow build, you know, Splendor is a, is my favorite engine builder. Cause I think it really distills it down to the core. Right. Um, yeah. and Splendor starts on turn five, but turn five, especially when my wife and I play is less than two minutes into the game. So like, I don't care because yeah. it goes so quickly that it's not a big deal. Um, 
but one like this being a little heavier, um, it felt like it took a little longer. And the one thing I would defend it with, though, is we usually play shorter games. So to us, it was kind of like, oh, it takes a little time. But once it got going, it was plenty of fun. And I would definitely play it again. Uh, so have you have you played that before or? I haven't played that that before, but that that advice like definitely resonates with me as uh, something that is both important for a game design, but also very hard to get right. Um, in that it there is, is right. In, there's interesting decisions that could happen before those, but if they're only for the advanced player, that's going to say like, "Oh, I you know got you know five percent of my win percentage because of those first five turns." Right, you know? right. <laughs> um, maybe that's not the right choice for the design. So it it it's always a challenge to strike that balance of where do you jump into the action. But it the general advice of like start in when you're making interesting decisions is is generally right. Right, right. I I liken it to I uh, I used to be a filmmaker and I went to film school and like I I liken it to the starting the scene when the action has already started right like you enter the scene like when it's already going right because otherwise you know you've got to do the slow boring build up right Um, and uh, already in motion yeah so yeah right but but I would recommend the game uh, if you know it it was fun uh, and I think I I definitely wasn't turned off like I'm not going to try this again I I do think it'll be uh, I think it'll be better on the second play for sure um and also yeah, you know cool. yeah um like i i've i've enjoyed the you know the roll dice play the probability game um that like space base or machikoro uh does it needs to have like mm-hmm. enough yeah. meat like machikoro is a little bit under the meat level and space base like managed to clear the right, bar for right. me. um so is the theme very like you, you said dice city like is it very like city building is like a suburbia sim city type thing or, or no what, it's it's medieval about? city it's like medieval sure city so um and then you're when you purchase cards you actually have to put them over the the pre-gen cards like that you start with mm-hmm. that are on the board so you replace those so not like a machi Koro where they build like you're actually mm-hmm. replacing what's there um yeah. and then in those cards will score you points or they will get you new things the i think one of the best mechanics they have is so you can take what you get with your dice or you can spend a die to instead um, you can spend a die to move another die adjacent to it. So like when I roll a four in red, so I have a four red, but I really wanted to, I really could have used a three or a five. I can sacrifice that red die to move, say the yellow die to either the four, uh, the three or the five of red. Um, and that, that like, that gets thinky in the game. It starts to make you really think about how you place cards when you install them yeah. and yeah. how like putting like something cruddy with two things on the sides. That way, when you roll the cruddy thing, you can just move something there and get the better action out of it. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Or I, they, they, they create some nice like deck builder style chaining where like there's a card that says, if you land on this one, you can use any card in this row. And then I had another card that I installed in that row that said, if you use this card, you can use any ability on your board. <laughs> so, of course, now you I have it. two chances to do that, right? Because yeah. you can use, you know, you just chain it. So that's that's really like that kind of stuff makes you feel very clever. And I, yeah, I always exactly. enjoy that, right? Makes me feel like I'm good at this game. <laughs> if, you, if you get to roll dice, which is just fun on its own and feel good, yes, yes. you're winning. Like, that's great. Yeah, that's right. Great. I know. So So you, this game very well could be like, the perfect thing you're looking for um, if you know that for the weight level of what you're talking about, because it definitely is a little meatier than Machi Koro. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, Machi Koro is just under what I'm looking for. Like I love Machi Koro, but I would like it to have just a little bit more than that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. No, that sounds, yeah. that sounds fun. I'll check it out. Does it a well, key thing though? Does it play well with two? That's, that's the yeah, I know that. question. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that is, that's how we played it. Um, they, they, the, the mechanism, which ends the game is just based on the number of cards used. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like one where if you run out of the whole deck, the game ends, which would only happen in a four player game. If you played for a really long time, yeah. um, basically people just bought cards and did nothing. <laughs> but, um, the other one, like times out, you actually remove cards per based on player count. So for the other triggers, so that one of the ways the game will end, it will happen in a reasonable amount of time. And you can force it to happen if you are ready, like to make it, you know, like I want to end this game, but yeah. you also can't sneak up on this. people, right? Like they see it coming. So, yeah. Yeah. 
there's a, there's such a demand for uh, two player games right now. Like like uh, oh yeah, single player and uh, two player games are at a premium right now. I think it was really smart that uh, Shut Up and Sit Down did their chess month, which was just like we're only going to yeah, cover games yeah. that are exclusively two players. Yeah, yes. perfect because I'm like yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Please tell that's me that's what everyone needs right now. <laughs> it might be sold out, but. Yes, no, and that's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> I went to go. Right, get right. The, uh, they covered the Paris City of Lights game, and I'm like, "That sounds that sounds dope. I want I want to play that." Oh, then I couldn't get it. I, th- I think it's yeah, available right, now. Right. I need to go back and and check. Right. Yes. <laughs> but that's awesome. what people need. It is exactly what people need. So, hey, you brought an interesting topic today that I had to. You you mentioned it. And I actually had to go look it up because uh it's it's a kind of drafting and I'm, let me just say for people who listen to the show uh i'm a huge fan of drafting and i had never heard of this before so i was like oh we're talking about this that sounds great <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. so i'm gonna let you introduce it yeah so uh i i'd love to introduce you to winston drafting which um i came into contact with uh as someone who had been reintroduced to magic the gathering after a, a mm-hmm. many years uh because of booster draft and i'm like i played magic you know back in the 90s and i'm like yeah this is cool um and i you know bounced off of it moved on to other things um and then i came back when i discovered there's this booster draft thing which is like a game before the game it's amazing it's yeah it's, yeah it it's such an amazing experience that it spawned you know entire board games like seven wonders is booster draft the game that's right, 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 right. <laughs> um, so the problem with booster draft is like, oh, ideally you want to play it with eight. You, know, you could play it with less, but uh, you know, it's, it, it kind of trends towards you need a, a substantial number of people to be right. selecting cards and and get that kind of super sweet interaction to get out of booster draft. Uh, which, if anyone doesn't know, uh, works with Magic and that you have this sealed product. You open it's got what, 15 cards or whatever, you, you you take one of them, you pass the rest to your left, which means you are receiving 14 cards from the person to your right, and then you're going to choose. And it's this lovely, juicy, choicy thing about <laughs> you're thinking about your future of what awesome things you're going to do, and then later on you're like, well, I just need something that's borderline playable. Um, it's got drama. <laughs> right, right, it's right. so much fun. Anyway, the problem with it is it doesn't work at all when you've got uh, a small group of people, like say two people, which is, you know, as we're looking at pandemic stuff, like this is a common, like I'm with a friend and we're going to have lunch and we want to play a game. Uh, We kind of like doing this thing. What can we do? So it turns out that uh, I'm not the only one with this problem uh, that, uh, that Mr. Richard Garfield himself, uh, the, the, the maker of magic also (laughs) has had this problem. And uh, developed a drafting mechanism for two players specifically. So you bring the same amount of uh, core product, you know, three boosters, uh, if you're playing Magic, uh, and you just shuffle them all together into one big mega deck. And then from that deck, you uh, take uh, three cards off the top and put them in three separate piles of one card each. Uh, And the way the draft works is that when it's your turn to draft, you start from the left pile, you pick it up, you look at it, and if you like it, you keep it, and you, you're you're done. You reset that pile to one card, and you did it. If you don't like it, you put it back down, face down, and you add a card from the deck to that pile. So it went from one card to two cards. And then you look at the next pile, and you're like, okay, do I want this? Not, you repeat. You, 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 you pass on it, you add a card, you move to the next pile. At any point, you can uh, take one of those three piles. Uh, no, no, not at any point. Once you've passed on a pile, you cannot return. And this is essential. Um, so you go forward. And if you don't choose any of the three piles, you just take a random card off the deck. So what does this do? Um, what it means is that drafting is not just about taking the best card in your selection of stuff. It can be about value. Like, do you take this, the stack of cards that's four high because they're all mediocre but it's four cards, and that's really going to help you have options for what you're going to do down the road. It gives you, you know, you have more flexibility. What Absolutely, is the yeah. Point between I want the single by itself best card, and this stack of four cards, which is kind of okay, but is going to give me more flexibility. Um, so by shifting from just you take one card every time to you're taking, you know, n cards, some number of cards every time, um, it makes it adds a layer of decisions that happens to work with the smaller card pool of uh, a two-player draft. Uh, and it's got this really great drama because sometimes you can sit and you can lay a card down there and you leave it there and you're like, I'm not going to take it. But you know what? No, I don't no think they will either. Take it. 
it will right, be there right. for me later. Which is uh, in a booster draft, that's called like wheeling a card. When you send a card around and it comes back to you and you're like, yes. Uh, in a booster draft, that's, you know, going to happen after like eight people have looked at it. Right. In a Winston draft, that's going to happen very quickly and very often. And it's a very intimate right. thing for us. Um, so, so it's 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 great mechanic. I, I think it's fantastic and fun. It sounds really interesting. So a couple of points of clarification I want to make sure I understand. So sure. um, if you've got three, four, so three, 45 cards then, right? We'll say. Yeah. So if you got these these 45 cards and um, it, at what point, I'm assuming it ends when all the cards are gone? Yes, you go till the whole the whole stack is gone. And if you had two players, each would have 45 cards. So you're going to have 90 cards. Okay, okay. So it's a it's a pretty thick, um, pretty thick deck then. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming you're probably trying to build like 40 card decks or something like that out of that yeah, 40 yeah, to 45. You're playing magic. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how do you make sure that the cards are even? Like uh, you don't <laughs> in, in a booster draft, uh, you, you don't. And that exercise is left up to the players of because uh, with magic, you know, if you're looking for a 40 card deck, not all those 40 cards are playable cards. They're, they're lands, which come from an outside. Place. Right. So you're you're really looking for like oh eight, okay you know twenty five ish cards or something like that. I see. So you're going to get the lands no matter what. The lands would not be part yes. of the draft. Correct. Okay. Correct. Do, don't lands come in packs or is that not a thing anymore? Yeah. No, it's totally a thing. And you have to do a thing where you like take the land. You know, the land is always in the same place in the pack. So it's like okay, take the I can't remember if it's the top or the bottom card. One of those. Take those out. Oh, okay. And before you shuffle the big deck, or honestly, if you forget when you pull you see one, you're like oh we messed up we take it out and we add a card it's fine okay because the, the goal is not to look at the cards right so that you don't know what's in the stack yes to begin uh, it's, with. Hit, it's hidden information and uh, the the interesting thing is although you if you looked at a, a, a pile and you pass on it and it comes back to you and no one's taken that pile you do know that that card's in there but the moment you pass a pile is when you add a card and that card's unknown so immediately it's uh, it's something that is half you know, you know like half known and half unknown. If the other player also looked at it, also packed, uh, passed on it, then they've seen two cards, and then there's a third card that's unknown. So if it comes back to you in the situation where you passed on one card, added one, and they passed on two cards and added one, there's one card that you knew and two card that you two cards that you didn't. So there's this uh, there's this combination of hidden information and uh information that you've seen and you're like storing of like ooh, i should remember that for later later uh, right right super interesting um, and it seems to lend itself idea. yeah it seems to lend itself too to those eureka moments right where like you say for instance there are four cards you've passed on you take the next deck um you know you take the next you, there are x cards you pass on right you, mm -hmm. you you take the next pile the player looks they pass now a new card comes down and it turns out that that is an amazing card. And now yeah. you're, you're taking those five cards except for it's four duds and one amazing card. Yes. And the person does not know you got that amazing card because they never Correct. saw it. Well, except for I love that. They look at your face. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, cause so you do have to do that true. every time you look at it. Right. Just, <gasps> yeah, <laughs> there's super mind games in this. Um, yeah, no, that's totally true because it's not like just because a pile is big that it's all trash. It could be tr trash plus the most amazing card in the game. Um, and that's part of the drama of it. That's part of the, like, uh, push your luck excited to just like get something, and like right, maybe, right. Uh, in the case of something like magic where you're you're trying to like figure out what color pairs you're going to play or something like that you know like oh no one's no one's playing blue so this stack, this stack is getting large and these stacks always tend to get large i think my opponent's not playing blue now i know i can move in and you just like scoop up huge stacks of cards that we're getting passed on um right that, right and that's just you know two players with a random set of cards going back and forth. Um, a lot of layers of strategy and mind games, which is just I mean I mentioned Netrunner uh, earlier. Obviously that's up my alley. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and Winston that's Drive really just, interesting. I'm that. And I'm just like like you had mentioned too, thinking about the possibilities for the social game there of oh, you know yeah. playing the other player. I mean. Um, yes. what, one of my favorite social game tactics that I feel like would work in this is when I used to play competitive miniatures games. Um, mm -hmm. my favorite thing was when you see two things that could happen, right. And one of them is, is absolutely bad for you. Right. And the other yeah. one is not as bad. Like my, my go-to was, especially in tournaments, I would get pissed 
and act like I was pissed that they had the bad option. Like, oh gosh, now you're going to do that. And I'm going to, and they would do it 90% of the time because like, oh, he doesn't want me to do that. Mm-hmm. And they would just do it. And like, and this seems like a way to, you know, to like game the gamer right there um, oh, totally. with that sort of thing. So yeah. And if a game enters that state, I am just, I'm ecstatic. When you have stopped playing me the game too. and you're playing the player, I'm happy. Like it, right, right. It, it should show that like three of my favorite games are Skull, Netrunner, and X-Wing. And those nice, are all yes. 100% about playing the other players and like getting in right, their heads. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And it's and it's funny, like I, the the guy who kind of taught me how to play those games and how to be good at those games. Like there was a point where I was absolutely as good as him and I could beat him. The problem was he was just so good at the mental game that I never trusted any of his intentions. Right. Like <laughs> it's like he's going to just he's going to screw me over somehow. Like somehow I'm going to lose this. And then mm-hmm. and then I would. And he's like, you had this like you should have won. Why did you do this dumb thing? And I'm like, ah, you know, and so, yeah, I those types of games. Yes, there's not enough of that, you know, uh, in in games. That's that's yes. I I design a lot of social games and party games where the idea, you know, is trying to discover who someone is or what something is, and um, and I just love 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 um, those moments where you can you can feel like you tricked someone, right? And like, ha ha, I got you, you know. Yeah, that's, um, the, that's the human yeah. element. That's that's the thing that's brought in by the personalities Absolutely. and your knowledge of the person. And that's just so much more magical. And, and don't get me wrong. There's plenty of games where like I'm playing my own little thing and I'm building my engine and I'm happy. Um, and that's right, great. Right. But I love those moments where the game manages to bring the personalities together in interesting ways. That's about the people like I, that's what yeah, I love. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that is, um, yeah, those are those are certainly magical moments, and they're not for everyone, right? I mean, I know people yeah. who despise that in games. They want to build their engine and they want to not be bothered, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, you and I seem to be alike in this way. <laughs> we would rather play the games where we can mess with people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so now you had mentioned too that you there was because uh, you are later spoiler alert, going to talk about a game that includes this mechanic. That's, true. Uh, that's correct right yeah uh but you did mention that there was another game that had that that yeah. you'd only seen one other game that was using that mechanic um can you can we talk about that game a little bit yes Would that be um, all right yeah it, it, well, i'll have to page it in because i it was at a as out a con i believe it was gen con a, a couple of years ago um yeah so uh yes spoiler warning i i, I have designed a, a mechanic a game around this mechanic um, but I've encountered this mechanic in a uh, published game uh, once so far. That's not to say there aren't more. I'm sure there are more. No, but I mean, seen... the fact that you've only seen it once is is pretty impressive because so many times yeah. it feels like I've seen that mechanic a dozen times. <laughs> it's kind of like whenever I stop and think about Seven Wonders, I'm like, why aren't there more booster draft games? Like, this is such a there is, design space. Uh, Sushi Go would count as that, wouldn't it? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still So that more. was the first thing I thought of. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like that was that's one of our family games we play a lot because the kids can play that. But I mean, oh, that yeah. game is basically booster draft the game, right? I mean, you're yep. except for your deck is just scoring points in front of you, and people can see what you're. You know, that's of course people can see what you're taking and make decisions based on that, and you know, letting things pass around and such. Yes, and that you actually can play that two players, and it plays decently well as long as you remove the uh, pudding cards. I think those are awful in two players. Like one person oh, gets yeah. it and they're just hosed. So yeah, we just yeah. we just take them out uh, for two yeah. player and it works splendidly, and that that Sorry. game's you know yes. only mildly successful. No, it's crazy successful. Sushi Go, right, right, right. Uh, yes, which is like yes, booster draft the game is attractive as a thing. Um, it is. Uh, I've already I've blanked on the name of the game. All of a sudden, it's okay. Let's see if I can get it back. Uh, it is uh, a, a game about uh, cloud pirates, like space pirates, oh, which I'm it was immediately into. Cloud, sea of Clouds. Sea of, sea of clouds, clouds, that sounds correct. Yes. Uh, I, you you messaged w- this to me earlier. That's the only yeah. reason why I know this. <laughs> I got it jumbled in my head with uh, Sea of Thieves, which uh, in pandemic uh-huh. times I played with friends. So um, no, so uh, Sea of Clouds uses the same, uh, it's, it's straight up, a, there's a Winston uh, draft mechanic in there. Um, and the trick with that one, if I recall, and uh, Granted, you know, full disclosure, this is based on like doing some uh, demo games at a con uh, with you know, random people and all that. I've not played it to its full extent. Right, um, right, right. My, yeah, yeah. My memory of the game is that it's about there's cards in the piles that are 
uh, good and there's cards in the pile that are bad. And I don't mean bad as in like, oh, I'd rather have something good. Like they're actually bad, like they're negative points. And so oh, okay. yeah. it becomes this game about like, you know, oh, I'm going to pass on this thing and, uh, you know, have a straight face about it and not identify the fact that you really don't want right, it. Right, 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 uh, right, right. uh and that's that's the like way that it takes this draft mechanic and uh maps and there's other things going on that i don't remember it it was actually quite charming i'm always down to you know pirates in the sky and airships i'm in uh right oh yeah why why would you not be do you not like fun yeah exactly Uh, i do like fun and that's a great way to have fun um so it took this this draft mechanic in a like don't uh you know don't get the whammy essentially um, which right, is right, right. interesting, uh, but a, d- a different tilt than um, the the way I'd done it in uh, Magic style, where it's about you know value and uh, lower value cards versus high value cards, uh, or the way that, I, that I've done it in the game that I've designed around it. Um, I bet there's probably more games that incorporate this. I, I was actually trying to um, look for a good link to send you on on like Winston Draft, uh, and I found out that another game that Richard Garfield had designed had actually been. Uh, based on Winston draft. And then at some point during the development of the game or the design of the game, it became not that it was a totally different game. Oh, Oh yeah. I love when that happens. Right. I love this mechanic. And then you finish the game and it's like that went away at some point. Right. It didn't survive somehow. So, uh, but it was, it was a thing that could have been. been. Um, Yeah. I haven't found another. I'd be, I, if I would love to hear about more, uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear about that more because I think it's this great nugget of uh, drama and interplay that I'm always happy to explore. Yeah, yeah. And so especially, too, when it's, you know, based on a two player experience, you know, I think that that's fantastic. Like you said, we need more of those games right now uh, that that really tie in well to the two player experience or are um, com- just completely styled for that. I- I'm fine with either. Like, I don't mind like two to four player games that play really well with two players. Um, like I said, Splendor, my wife and I love that. I-, I dislike playing that with other people. Like, I enjoy playing that as a two player only game. I think it's vastly better that way. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I love games that are specifically designed for two players. There's nothing as freeing when you, you play a game knowing that it was designed for the player count that you're playing with. And if, right, right. if you know that that is true, it's, you're not going to hit this thing. I was like, oh, well, it's better at more players. Or oh, I think we had too many people and it right. complicated the game. Right. Um, so, so games like uh, um, Jaipur or patchwork are just go yeah, for yes, me because those yes. are so satisfying and they were designed for exactly that situation. They don't have to handle that scale up, which means that they're more limited in your collection, but also means they're going to do it well. Right. Yeah. We had Ben Pinchback on the show recently talking about some games and Ben and I go way back, but he was, he was talking about um, the fact, you know, in two player games, there are decisions you can make right in the design you absolutely could not get away with in a three plus player game. You just couldn't do it. And, um, and yeah, and you can feel that you really can sense that uh, when you're playing the game. Uh, I do think there are a lot of two to four player games, not a lot maybe, but quite a few who have the like adapted two player rules that end up being better than the full on game um, because they've been able to create that experience. But it can also be confusing for people who've only played one way or the other. So yeah, two players. Woo. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, you know, it, a lot of us hobby gamers have uh, a collection. And so we have a room for this. This game is good at this player count. This good, good is, game is good at this uh, yes, player count. Yes. And so, you know, to be able to say like, oh, I'm competent. This is a two-player game. You're going to love it. That's great. I love that. Right, right. Yeah. No. So, all right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's talk a bit about your game specifically. I feel like we've teased it enough. So, And we can also help dive into how you put this into application. So I'm excited to hear about that. So you have a game uh, with Weird Draft Games coming out on Kickstarter soon. Uh, yes. And it is uh, called Studies in Sorcery. That is correct. I, I'm excited to talk to you about it. Um, so in this game, uh, which we'll get to the Winston draft in a moment now that we've we've talked about it so much. Right, uh, right, right. Thematically, uh, you are a student uh, of the Academy of the Dark Arts, and you are studying for some forbidden subjects uh, of reanimation, alchemy, and sorcery. Um, and these, these are forbidden. 
uh, is technically frowned upon in play. With good I, reason, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, those seem super sketchy uh, once you look at it. Um, so it's not like you can just go to the university bookstore and get everything you need for your, your curriculum. Um, you got to be a little more creative. So uh, you are going to spend your evenings uh, digging up the local cemetery for the materials you need for your projects because you're not going to graduate reanimation without being able to find the right bones to put together your projects. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, so uh, that that uh, latter part is the Winston draft of the game. Um, so you are going to be going through these grave piles that contain all sorts of things. It's got mushrooms. It's got worms. It's got someone's forgotten locket. Uh, it may have, you know, mm. a femur. Uh, I don't know, a skull. Uh, and you're you're going to be looking at piles that are full of cards like this uh, and making decisions about what you want to take uh, for the end result of you're working on these projects. So you've got your school projects. Uh, they require materials, some of which you can uh, get uh, in a, well, I'll say legal manner, and some of which require this extracurricular effort. Um, and mostly it's the extracurricular effort. Uh, and as you complete these projects... <laughs> They, uh, they're not just projects where it's like, oh, I check it off, check off the box. I did my thing. I did my math homework. No, uh, you just like learned to master the power of the full moon in order to see through transparent objects as if they're transparent or something like that. Or, oh, okay. You reanimated a, a friend out of bones and they're your best friend and they'll help you on your other projects. All of these work together to give you abilities that you're going to layer together so that when you start out, you know, you're a bumbling freshman. And by the end, you're like, I have mastered the elements. I have the command of everything. I'm the most amazing. Please let me be valedictorian. I want to give a speech. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So that's the theme of the game. It's got this like uh, spooky school vibe. Uh, It's got this digging through graves vibe. And as much as I might describe that and it sounds, uh, you know, it might sound edgy or questionable uh the the aesthetic of the game is very uh much the overlap of creepy and cute um so it's a good overlap it really is it's a good overlap i think i'm fond of that overlap it works for me um so yeah you're you're making friends out of bones you you know you're not thinking too hard (laughs) about the the implications of what you're doing or any of that uh but you lay those this together um and throughout it all um the game happens over a fixed timeline so School has a fixed timeline. You have so long until the end of term. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and this is tracked in the game by a, a, a moon tracker. So it'll be, you know, the, the full moon and then the third quarter and the new moon. And you'll go through this very fixed progression that um, uh, is your countdown to the the end of term. But also there's projects that care about that. You know, the, the school sorcery um, lightens up. So it's like, ah, only when the moon is new, I can use this powerful ability. So there's this like scheduling. Oh, nice. Of like, yes. uh, okay, this turn I'm going to go dig and this turn I'm going to go shop for some new projects because after that, I'm going to get my super awesome new moon turn where I get to get a whole bunch of cards and hopefully those are the right cards and it's all going to work out magically. Oh no, what are these nice. cards? I hate myself and all my decisions. What have I done? And I'm assuming you go through those cycles for a number of times throughout yeah. the game. Uh, the game plays over four months, so you're going to go through the moon cycle four times. Um, and th- at that point, uh, you tally up the score of your completed projects. Maybe you got some extra credit markers on some of them for you know using particularly sweet bones on that nice reanimate that you made. Um, uh, and that, <laughs> whoever has the most uh, points, uh, most credits on their completed projects uh, is valedictorian, and they win. Fantastic. Fantastic. So... The um some of the stuff you're talking about with like the uh like so I reanimate somebody to help me uh to help me do something. So those are the type of things that would be the better they are, the less frequent they they actually work. Is that is that correct? Or uh, so or do they all only work in a certain phase? There's uh there's um different schools uh and each of them has their own kind of theme. So the sorcery project Oh nice um tap into and we're this may we're working with names, maybe Ludomancy or something like that to, to really emphasize the, the emphasis of the moon. Uh, I like that. Uh, those that school uh, emphasizes the moon and really cares about. It. And you can layer uh, different projects uh, that that work in different phases of the moon and have this whole scheduling puzzle. Whereas reanimation is all about, uh, well, using using bones uh, to, right. to piece together the right set of friends. So you might make a, a crawling claw that's a little helper or a full-size <laughs> skeleton that's like a big one. And um, 
you yeah. layer these together and those are going to accelerate your ability to complete projects faster. They won't help you get the cards, but they'll help you with the work. And then uh, the third main school right. of, the, of the main game is alchemy. And those um, tend to have a one use reward. So when you complete the project, you're going to get a boon of something. Maybe you go uh, draw a bunch of cards, maybe get free projects, you know, all sorts of effects. Okay, right, right. But the trick with uh, the alchemy projects is that uh, if you commit too many cards to them in a single turn, so if you're working on the project too fast, you add uh, demerit tokens to them. If you rush the potion, it won't be as good. So right, that makes sense. Off of do I want this effect right now in order to accelerate my game, um, or in which case I'm willing to rush and have a lower point value? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or do I take my time? do it right, stir it just the right number of times uh, and get this all in time. So this adds to the timing. So you can imagine if you've got like a sorcery project where it's like, oh, I care about the new moon, but I'm trying to stir this potion. You know, (laughs) these overlap ways where you may feel like a genius because you did it. I'm clever. Or you may be like, what? I should fail this class. Why why am I here? I, I, (laughs) all of this is wrong. That sounds like a riot. Um, the uh, so the schools is that are the schools based on like each player is a different school or no? You can all dive into all the schools. You can all dive into all the schools. So there's a, a nice, market nice. of projects, and you can kind of pick what classes you sign up for, essentially. Um, and so you might be like, oh, I'm going to pull down this sorcery project, and this alchemy project, and I'm going to start working on them. There's no penalty for incompleted projects, uh, unlike real life. Ooh. Okay, that got sad real quick. Uh, but <laughs> that got real, real fast. Ah, uh, yeah, that, that was that was a turn. Uh, you pull these down, and you can work on, work out on them um, uh, in whatever combination you like. Um, now, there is uh, every player uh, starts with a thesis card um, that may tilt which sorts of schools they want to go in uh, deeply. So it's a, you know a random goal, a secret goal that you have at the beginning of the game that might say that you want to make an army of the undead. Or that you're interested I in see. Yeah, covering yeah, yeah. all the phases of the moon, like that sort of thing. That says, okay, I have an asymmetric asymmetric interest in this type of project. But other than that, you can you know direct your education as right. you like. And those, I, I love secret goals like that simply because for first time players, and this very well may be why you added it. You know, it allows some direction. Like, what do I do? There's so many options. Oh, I care about phases of the moon. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on that. Great. Yeah gonna be a yeah, werewolf wanna, i don't know something. <laughs> yeah you want to direct people and say like hey this right. is the thing you should do uh it will be fun so go do it right and it probably is not the exact something where you've told someone else so you know um are there a variety of different at the, you know to where um uh there's it well is this just two player only or is this two plus uh, no, it plays uh, one to four. Um, and one on, the to comment four. Of, nice. on the comment of one, uh, you know, you may have noticed that we're in some weird pandemic times. Uh, and I right, had a, right. a single player version for this uh, early on, which Carla, as uh, someone who's very mindful about uh, single player experiences, uh, put some pressure on and, and came with some great ideas. Um, and yes, our, yeah, she is our, good at that. Our ideas combined. I've been playing the solo mode uh, a lot lately because it's really the primary way I can play test uh, regularly. Right, um, right. And it's really satisfying. Actually, the game holds up. Oh, that's there's great. A, there's a robot player that uh, mixes up the state just enough um, that you know what? It's still it's still got the tension in there. So yes, it uh, plays one to four. Uh, so it scales up nicely. Plays great at two. Plays plays up to four with you know everyone compete. The market is much more competitive there. The grade piles are much more competitive, and you'll see a lot more uh, variety of strategies and interactions with stuff right. with your neighbors. Um, so right. yeah, it's 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 got a range there. Well, that sounds really interesting. Awesome. Yeah. So and the date was it October sixth. This launches. I, I believe I that just is make the date. that up. Okay. Yes. If um, I was wrong, uh, I will have went back and dubbed that in. If not, <laughs> you'll hear me say that, and you'll never know if I actually did or not. So yeah, should be October sixth. Uh, definitely, this is a game that feels like it should be on Kickstarter in October, uh, where you're thinking yeah, about Halloween think? and spooky yeah. <laughs> things. Uh, that just seems like a nice match. Well, this sounds really fun. This is something I'll have to check out. It sounds like something up my alley. I always love when somebody comes on the show and talks about a game I don't know about that they're working on. And then I'm like, hey, hey write that down. All right. <laughs> I'm going to check that game out. Because again, especially right now, I'm always shopping for games that my wife and I can play in general, uh, but even more so right now. So, you know, knowing yeah, that- I, 
I love this game at two, uh, frankly. I mean, obviously the the core uh, mechanism. Yeah, I trust that that was important to you <laughs> yeah. to make it good for two. So. Based on everyone I've, everything I've said, hopefully that comes across. But the mechanism <laughs> right, right. round, which is Winston Draft, is most successful. It, it was designed for two players. So the draft mechanism is great at two. It totally scales up to four. Uh, there's a way for it to work at one. So this is a good two-player game for sure. Um, where you kind of, you know, you're building up your engine, you're interacting over those grave piles. That's where, you know, you're playing those mind games of like, okay, I left a worm in there because I'm working on this worm golem and I need more worms and nobody else wants worms. So I could totally leave that there, right? Right, right. right. And, and, or, yeah, right. You hate hate your life. Um, Right. Or, yeah, or the idea of like, I need them to not think I'm going for worms so that they put more worms, they leave worms here. (laughs) Yes. Yep, yep. That asymmetry, those 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 mind games about what you're hiding, those are all here. The drafting those uh, those piles of materials and then hoping to layer abilities together. That's the game. Uh, the theme hopefully works for people. I like creepy cute. That works for me. Uh, oh yeah, creepy think? cute is great. It's a lot easier to sell creepy cute to non gamers than it is to sell creepy creepy. Yeah, because yeah. like like full on creepy, you can sell the non gamers if they are into creepy stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but creepy cute, you can even sell the people who are into creepy stuff, um, yeah. and people who are into cute stuff, right? So it's yeah. Plus that artwork it, is just fun, right? Like creepy cute artwork is fun in general. So and I actually I'll have to look. Uh, I haven't seen any of the artwork for this at all. So yeah, uh, I I I have it. I can show you, but I can't show anybody else. Uh, right, without, right. without making any sense. Uh, but uh, I did the artwork. That's kind of radio. Yes. <laughs> Let me show this to you. Uh, I did the artwork <laughs> myself uh, and uh, tried to imbue it with that that feeling. Um, it's got this very much on parchment, you know, uh, what's the, what's the, like a medical textbook, but like. Oh, yeah. In, yeah. Imbued with a, a, a cuteness to it. Like uh, the projects are these, these uh, book pages. And on the back, okay, yeah, I've, yeah. they've got all these notes from, you know, uh, little scraps of paper. Right, right. Very academic, uh, but totally not because you're looking at this like weird, you know, skeleton that you reanimated or right. worm. Gold so you were going paper. like you were going for like Halloween medical textbook via precious moments. Yeah, that-, <laughs> <laughs> that that's my demographic. Yep. Right. Share of skeletons. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so did you say you did the artwork for this? I did. I did. Oh, you know, oh, fantastic. Well, I didn't know that. So. Yeah, uh, this is the very cool. all up. I did the graphic design and the artwork. Um, and at any point, uh, I'm like, you know, maybe this this could be replaced by something someone else did. But uh, people have really responded well to it. So which has been great for me because uh, I, I like it. I like the style. It's got uh, it's got a charm to it. It's got that kind of um, placement in the theme um, that I think comes across really well. Um, so yeah, I've been happy to do that. I enjoy that. I've always kind of been this, this blend of, uh, uh art and design. Um, and so it's been great to find out. Right. For that. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, I think all the idea of a game designer who can do the artwork, the graphic design and the game design, I think a lot of people would call that the best kind of game designer. I would call it the worst kind of game designer because I'm not <laughs> that game designer and I'm just incredibly jealous of those game designers. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, that's just it, awful though. <laughs> it comes with downsides. I will tend to fixate on things that other people want. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, we need, we need to adjust the look of this, or uh, let's talk about the font, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna move this thing a couple. Right. Yeah. So I do, I do do. No, I, I, yeah. There's, there is the better. I, I feel like as a game designer, being like, and I, this is not me because I'm not even good at all with graphic design, but like being just good enough at the graphic design that like you can make it look good enough to show publishers. Uh, but not so good that that's all you're th- you're stuck thinking about, like yeah. you know. Um, but I, I there's also that bonus of you know they used to I used to hear people would say like they would tell me like don't focus on your des- the graphics and the art yeah. that is not designing your game, but it is though right because presentation is so important and you don't need artwork for a publisher, uh, but having tight graphic design that they can look at and say I get this game like that's really important. Um, I've been working with a publisher right now where like, um, you know, they suggested a bunch of changes to the game and we cleaned up every change with a little bit of graphic design. Like that's really all the game needed was it felt, especially in tabletop simulator, it felt like too much because things were just everywhere. And then we made some tableaus and now the game 
plays better, but really it's the same game. Like it's just with a couple tweaks. Yeah, those, but it's easier to use. The, and, and that's that. That's exactly the word I was going to use. It's it's about the usability because um, there yes, are absolutely. things that, that you can totally waste time on where you're like, this is about the presentation. I'm going to worry about this, the particular illustration or whatever. Right. Yep. So don't do that. But the usability of a game uh, and how the information is conveyed needs a lot of iteration. And you may not be able Absolutely. to do all of that without like the graphic design being taken all the way through. But like you can do a lot of that and that stuff does need attention. And you, you can't just be like, ah, it's index cards and I don't care about where the information is on the index cards. It's like, <laughs> right, no. right, right. Think, think about that. Somebody's going to care when they try to play it. Yeah. Uh, and there's totally issues that I have eliminated by like changing the way the information is laid out. You know, I put this text below here and now people notice it and they do the thing where when it was above, right. they didn't do yes. the thing. Huh? Right. Yeah. That is the kind of problem solving you want with graphic design. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, the game sounds like a lot of fun. I will definitely check it out on Kickstarter and uh, builders out there. Uh, if you feel free to check it out as well. Um, Weird Giraffe has always done some good stuff, as we've talked about before. There was the game they did with Josh Mills, which was a great game despite Josh's efforts because Josh is awful. Uh, but other than that, uh, yeah, they are fantastic. So, yeah. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the show, man. This was a this was a really good conversation and a fun time. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to plug while you're here other than your game coming out? Other than please, please give attention to my game coming out. That seems like the, the most forefront thing on my mind. Fair uh, enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Carla might be like, Chris, don't talk about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you that are interested in game design minutia, uh, you can check me out on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Chris underscore Glane uh, on Twitter. Uh and I and I do mean minutia. This is something that if you're into like how you cut the cards and little things, uh, that's the sort of stuff I post on Twitter because I happen to be nerdy about that. If you're nerdy about that too, you can check me out. Uh, but mostly sounds check out the game when it comes out because I think it's rad and I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. And you can also follow Chris and the minutia and likely he'll tweet about the game once it's out too. So <laughs> That seems likely. I might say something. Went on both sides. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> once or twice. Yeah. So, all right. Well, hey, thank you everybody for listening tonight. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can find us uh, at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You could call us at 770-TEL-BTG. I do have a few voicemails I got to get to. I will make sure to get those out uh, in the next couple of episodes. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at PodcastBTG. I am at J.A. Slingerland. Chris was at Chris underscore Glane. And uh, you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, not Google Play, because I don't think that exists anymore, Facebook, all the other places. But anyways, until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial 770-TEL-BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>